If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to um, Hebrews chapter 12? Could also be called the um, Wisdom of Hope and chapter 13, the Way of Love. And again, a lot of um, commenta- uh, commentaries kind of, that's one of the reasons they believe it's Pauline in nature. Um, just the way the thing was written out, the, uh, the way he, do- he dealt with the doctrinal portion first and then closing it out with the exhortation seems to be Paul's MO. Uh, the critics say no because of the Greek behind it all. It really isn't um, sort of Pauline's at all, the way it's written out. And, but then again, it's not that important who wrote it. We know the Holy Spirit inspired it. Amen, guys? So that's what's important. Um, we left off last week. We kind of left off last week around verse uh, 13, uh, talking about Abraham and his faith. But if you don't mind, let's just backtrack a little bit and go to verse 8. And let's read together. And if you'll be kind enough, stand with me again. But starting with verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called out to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as a stranger, or I'm sorry, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, became pregnant, and was delivered of child when she was was past age because she judged him faithful who had promise mm. uh, therefore spr- uh, sprang there even of one and him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky in, the, uh, in multitude and as the sand which is by the sea seashore innumerable these all died in faith not re- not having received the promise but having seen them afar off And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. Let's stand again and let's pray over this. I'm sure we'll get a little further than that. But Father, again, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the written word and the spoken word. We know the written word, Father, we can trust, Lord. And we can read it as though, Father, it was your hand that penned it out, Lord. We know the... The, the spoken word to the prophets of old, Lord, um, jotting things down for us to read. I pray, God, that you would just allow us to see what genuine and true faith really is, Lord. There's so many concepts out there and there's so many false teachings that are out there, Lord, um, leading people away from what it really means to have faith. You know, the substance of things that we hope for, not the things that we see. I pray, Father, as we continue our journey in this chapter, that our faith will grow and increase. And that those things that you put in our hearts, Lord, in our minds, where we begin to hope for things, God, we would have that evidence, God, of your Holy Spirit saying, you know, just trust. To have faith in you and only you. We love you, Lord. We ask for your anointing upon your word and our hearts to receive it. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said together. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You know, I, I know we have a small a biography or a small story about Abraham in the New Testament. And if you truly want to know everything about Abraham, you go, go ahead and back into Genesis and read that account on your own. You know, where it, it, at first his name was Abram. And God comes and speaks to Abram and tells him that he's going to bless him. He's going to have... Um, you know, a, a nation that will come out of his loins, out of out of him. And at that time, uh, he was childless. And uh, it comes right out and says Sarah was even barren. I mean, Sarah even tried to help 
um, fulfill God's promise by lending Hagar to Abraham to fulfill that promise. And we're going to touch on that in a little bit. But but when God, when Abraham finally believed that God uh, really was going to do this in in and through his life, he just believed. There was no need for a sign. You know, if you just give me a sign, I'll believe that my descendants will be more numerous than the stars of the heavens and the grains of sand on a shore. Yeah, I'll, it doesn't say that. It just says he believed God, and that's why it was accounted unto him as righteousness, just like you and I in the book of Romans, when we believe all that Christ has done for us. When we believe that, like Abraham believed the promise, it is accounted unto you as uh, for righteousness, you know. So, um it tells us that Abraham went on this journey. If you look here at verse 8 again, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which uh, he should afterwards receive for an inheritance. And I love that. And I circled it in my uh, Bible. It just says he believed. You know, there was no handwriting on the wall, as it were. There was no signs for him. I mean, he was, a, he was an heir of the Chaldeans and he was a moon worshiper. And God interrupts his life as God had interrupted our lives. You know, I, I hope he has. And uh, said, p- p- you know, drop everything you have. Pick up your, you know, your cross, follow me. And many of us did that, right? When I became a Christian, I didn't have the handwriting on the wall. I mean, I, I just, all of a sudden, God's working on my, in my life like no one's business to my brother. And there was a time where I knew I had to make this decision. And it was the right one, you know. And... Um, and then I obeyed like you did. You just obeyed like Abraham did. He just obeyed. And that is faith. You know, that, that uh, faith is that th- um, substance that we hope for. It's not what we see. And, that, and that, that kick, it's kind of a kicker when you hear people say, well, if I just could have a sign. You ever hear someone? If, if Jesus would just appear to me. You know, if God would just show up. Well, if God showed up, you're, you're going to have a meltdown and die on, on the spot, you know. If Jesus appeared to you, you probably would pass out, cardiac arrest, something. You might die without even knowing him, you know. And um, But listen, um, that's, not, that's, that's not what creates faith. Signs and visions and are those things um, real? Sure they are, but that's not what creates faith, not faith for salvation. Um, the little bit of faith that God gives an individual is what creates salvation. And I'm glad it's just a small measure of it. And that's when God does that. And then when you know that you have to surrender your lives to him, then that's when you obey. And I don't know even know what I was told to obey. All I know is I needed to cry out to him that evening. It was 1.45 in the morning, man. And I just cried out. After that, I knew that I was going to be living a life in obedience to this creator who just touched my life. And I had no Bible. We never, we had a family Bible with our family tree in it that mom kept from when she was a kid. That was it with a lot of pictures in it. That was my exposure to religion. And, um... And I'll tell, but I knew it within my heart. Faith started to grow at that point um, in my life, and it was, and it's always been that way for me. It's the substance of things I've hoped for, not the evidence of things I, I, I see. And I'm not that smart of a man. I, I think sometimes the intellect gets in the way. It's childlike faith that God wants um, to honor. You know, you see that all through the scriptures, you know, and I, it's happened in my life when he told me to go to Bible school, to get married. Just trust me, I'm in this thing. Yeah, but Lord, I don't see it. Irma and I, two different sides of the spectrum, but you want us to do this. We're going to step out in faith and do it. And God has blessed our lives. And then the church, same thing with the church, you know, and just step out and do this thing. Okay, but I don't see any evidence of anything, but just do this. And that's what faith is. You know, coming here, there was a lot of kind of, um, um, I wouldn't say people were trying to discourage me, per, you know, on purpose, but there was all that, you know, you sure God wants you to do that. I don't know, financially, don't look like we could, uh, you have, I, I know, but you know what, there's this thing in my heart where I hope this is what God wants for me and for us as a church, and then God began to just, you know, do that. Why? Because there was a group of us that just started praying for it and he's seeking God of those things that we were hoping for, not of the evidence of things we could see. That's not faith. Churches that go into these big programs and they come up with this idea how to purchase a building. Well, that's not faith. 
That's not faith. You came up with a game plan to raise the money. And to, to me, if I can be frank with you, fleecing the flock and get every penny they can out of there. And to build that and then they'll say, look what God has done. Well, maybe he did. But again, I'm not smart. You did that, not God. You know, and I just, again, I'm so blessed to see in my life and so many around here. I think of Jerry's and I think of... You know, so many where we, we had nothing when we came into this relationship and what God is doing in and through our lives is just faith. That's all it is. It's just sheer faith. So that's Abraham. He just obeyed and he went out. And I love this, not knowing where he was going to. No, it's not blind faith. People are saying, well, what God wants you to have is blind. No, God told him to get up and go. You know, if he didn't hear get up and go and he just decided to do it, then that's blind faith. You know, it's just not some kind of crazy desire that you come up with and just say, you know what, I think I just, I want to be in the ministry. And I think if I just do this and I can create that, no, that's just blind faith. And again, if God's laying that on your heart, he's going to tell you, step out in obedience and do this. That's biblical faith. You, I knew I shouldn't have had that coffee before I came up here. You guys are on it. You're, you're in for a trip, man. Because I'm shaking. I have, it was an espresso, and I should not have done that. Um, so verse 9, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. Whose promise? It was God's promise to him. In a strange country. Now that's different. When you're called to go do something that's totally foreign to you. And you're willing to be obedient and go in and do that very thing. That's biblical faith. But to say that God, look, you know, God's called you in to do something that you're well acquainted with. And God wants you to do that. Now I'm sure that takes a measure of faith. But the kind of faith that we see in Abraham's life. He is going into a land, man. He's never, he's never put a, a one foot into and he, is, and he knows, too, by the way, he is going to be nomadic. He's not going to end any, own any land whatsoever going into what he thinks is the promised land. No, he's never going to own one lot. No, I'm wrong. Machpelah. He will buy a small little land called Machpelah in order just to bury his wife in. It's in uh, Hebron. And, uh, but that's it. For the rest of the, the, this whole journey with Abraham, he is going to say, I feel like a pilgrim. I feel like a stranger. And yet he's living by faith going into it. Kind of an awesome way to live your life though, isn't it? Just think of, just think of how exciting that kind of life is. Where God lays something. And don't, don't, don't do it unless God's talking to you about it. But to forsake everything and just go do it. Leave everything that you're well equipped. Leave all your security behind. Sell it all. Give it away. And know that God has called you into a land. A land of promise for you. Not too many people can say they've ever done that. Now maybe it, it, there's seasons in our lives we've done that. Where we really feel like. I know some of the gals and even guys. I don't want to just pick on the gals. Going on a mission trip is going into a strange land. And it's taking faith for them to step out. But just imagine if that was your entire lifestyle. You know, I think of uh, Jeannie and Lisa in Mexico, how when they went down there to that one little parcel of ground in the Baja and she and Lisa started feeling really compelled to help some of these battered women, she forsook everything, everything she knew. And she went in and she lived in a little one room house years ago, taking in women who were being beaten up by these men. That's, ex that's an exciting life to me. He, he, so he, uh, by faith, he sojourned in a land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, another word for tents. He's just very nomadic with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him in the same promise. And later on, we're going to find out that some of the heirs never even seen the promised land. And this is why he could do it. Look at verse 10. For he looked for a city which, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is... Of, 
of God. He has this hope. He has this calling. Leave Ur the Chaldeans. He knows there's something supernatural, something so eternal that he knows it's more than just going into a land just to try to build a house. He knows there's something of an eternal value there. We're going to see this more than once in this chapter where it's saying that these, even the heirs to this promise, we're not going in looking for a physical building, not going in looking for a physical land. They know that there's something of an eternal value in this journey. Like you and I. Come on. Let's, you, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we here? You know, we get saved and are we now, now we are pilgrims and strangers in this land. I hope you don't feel like this is your home. You know, that you're only a pilgrim. You're, on a, you're in this journey. Amen, guys? You know, so where do you, where, where's your heart? Again, I don't want to go back into Matthew 5 again. But, you know, this is... And, but why? It's not because you just want to be these good strangers and pilgrims. No, it's because you know this journey that you and I are on. There's an eternal factor to it. There's an eternity that's awaiting for us. Our city, our eternal city is coming. That's why we can have this kind of faith moving forward. He says, look, I, he's not looking for a piece of ground so he can have a lot of kids. Look what he says in verse 11. Through faith also, Sarah herself. Received strength to conceive seed and was delivered at, um, and was delivered of child when, pardon me, she was past age because she judged him. I love this. She judged him faithful who had promised. She made a judgment call on the promises that he was giving to, that God was given to Abraham. The promises weren't given to Sarah. So no doubt, Abraham's going to his wife saying, guess what, honey? I know you're about 75 years old, but, uh, and then 80 rolled away. Hey, honey, don't forget the promise. And around 80, 85, Sarah gets a little discouraged. And what, you know, he goes to Abraham and says, well, listen, uh, you know, let's, let's just help God out a little bit. Why don't you take care? But, yeah, and you know what this shows me, guys? That she's in this hall of faith. And yet to me, she wasn't a great woman of faith at all. She had a lot of doubts. And plus she living with Abraham. No wonder. Abraham was a knucklehead a few times if you read his story. But she, here they are making this journey. And here comes a Christophany of Christ. An appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Comes up to the tent where Abraham and Sarah is. And, and again... Christ is revealing to, to Abraham the promises. Again, you're going to be uh, uh, the father of many nations. You're going to have more descendants than you count. And then Sarah's eardropping in the other room. She hears and she starts to... What does she do, guys? She starts laughing. Not out of joy. She totally is in disbelief. Not Abraham. He believed God. It was accounted unto him as right. But Sarah, no way. I'm 80-some years old. This isn't happening to this old gal. Uh-uh. Sarah, are you laughing? No, I wasn't. She lies. No, it's, I wasn't. Oh, yes, you were. In fact, that's what we're going to call the first kid. We're going to call him Isaac, which means laughter. Just as a reminder, Sarah. She wasn't a great woman of faith. She really wasn't. I think she needs to be honored. I think she needs to be esteemed. I really do. But not as one who would have great faith. But yet, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you know what this, this one verse shows me? That just a little bit of faith. She had enough faith. Or she wouldn't be mentioned here. By faith. I mean, if you're nine months pregnant, you're going to be calling out to God. At 80-some years old. She had enough faith to be able to trust God that he was faithful. And he promised what he had promised he's able to do. See, guys, it doesn't take a lot of faith to please God. Not a lot. I think that's why she's here, just to show you and I, when we're down in the valleys and we're going through some real, you know, some tough times in our lives, and we're just trying to muster up enough faith, just so because without faith it's impossible. God, I just, I, I don't have a lot of faith right now. Would you help me in my faith, you know, increase my faith? It only takes a little faith. And it says it pleases God. I think it's why she's there. 
therefore sprang there even of one, him as good as dead, he's about a hundred years old, as many as the stars of the skies in multitude and as the sands which is by the sea more innumerable. The, now notice this, and I love that the author puts this in here. These all died in faith, not having received these promises. Not one of them. Abraham never got a chance to see all these people. In fact, Abraham never got to see the promised land. He was still on his journey. Never once received, the, received one thing. But yet they died in faith. You know what this tells me too, by the way, guys? When God gives us a promise, he lays that promise on our hearts. We begin to hope. Remember, faith is the substance of things we hope for. It's not what we see. He lays that hope on our hearts like let's, let's, our loved ones. How many of us just really believe that our loved ones are going to come to Christ? Why? Because it's a hope that God has given to us. God has given me the hope that all my kids are going to be walking into the kingdom of God. There are some relatives that I adored all my life and I've been praying for them. And there's this hope that somehow God, I might not see these promises during my lifetime. Just like Abraham never saw it. And so too, what is the faith that we have? And we're not going, we're not, it's our hope that God gives us. But we're not going to allow the enemy to rip us off, folks. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how deep that loved one might fall into depravity or, what, or the mire or the muck of this world, we're going to believe that God has given us a hope that for you and your household will come to Christ. Amen, guys? What else can we possibly believe? I could not go to sleep at night if I thought for one moment that my kids or these ones that I love so much are going to spend their eternity away from God. And in, in reality, even away from me. Look, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having them seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embrace them. That's what we need to do. Embrace the promises. Confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. You know, he alludes to this a couple of times and even in chapter 13, I think, where he's talking about being strangers. Listen, you a good test, whether you're, you're of the world, you're in the world, but not of it. You ever hear that, that phrase, you know, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. You know how you can tell if that's true in your life? If you feel like you're a stranger on this planet, if you really feel like you're nothing but a stranger, you do not fit in at all. You can say that with a sincere heart. But if you do not feel like you're a, a stranger on this world, that you fit right in with everyone else then you cannot say that you are a stranger or a pilgrim going through this life. This should be so foreign. Every time I pick up a newspaper, I feel like a stranger in this world. Every time I talk to someone whose morals are in the toilet, I feel, I feel like, man, I don't even belong here, God. How much longer do I have to try to walk through this world as a stranger and a pilgrim? Man, that's when I start praying, oh, Lord Jesus, come soon, come quickly. I read this article um, in Massachusetts where this uh, man had, uh, had raped a 13-year-old girl. There was enough evidence to convict him, but because there wasn't proper, the proper way to arrest somebody, he got off. He's out. He's on the streets today. I, don't feel, I feel like a stra I do not fit on this planet. The millions of babies that have been aborted. I just feel like a stranger. The divorce rate, the church, the way it's backsliding. I just, I want the Lord to come back and get me out of here. Amen, guys? For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. That's how we do it. What are we hoping for? We're hoping for exactly what it says in verse 10. A city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's what I'm looking for. And sometimes that's what keeps me going. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, 
they might not they might have opportunity to return if if it wasn't that way for them if it wasn't a stranger and a pilgrim if it wasn't like that and they felt like hey i fit in here they might have they might have been tempted to go back walk away from the promises of god now there's something for the believer and it's a glorious day when a believer realizes this in his life or her life that this isn't my home i'm just passing through that I am a stranger. I do not fit in this world whatsoever. I'm blessed when God can use me wherever he uses me. But I'll tell you what. I am an alien. That's how I feel sometimes. But when I start to see in my heart what I am living for. What I am longing for. What I am hoping for. If it's heaven, this new city. I sense in my heart I'm okay. But when I start to live and hope and crave for the things of this place so I can fit in, something is wrong. Something's very wrong. But now, verse 16, but now they desire a better country. And he tells us exactly what it is. That is heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city, a new city. Now, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he was tested. He offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Let's read down to verse 19. Of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed, I'm sorry, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. According to, according, uh, according uh, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from once also he received him as a figure or as a picture Isaac is going to be a picture I don't know if Abraham under quite understood of the full picture when he when God says Abraham take your son your only son Isaac right how many sons did Abraham have by the way those he had two sons Abraham and Isaac uh, Abraham and Ishmael, pardon me. No, Isaac and Ishmael. Thank you. He had two sons. One son was from a handmaid, Hagar. The other son was from Sarah. Was the promise just given to Abraham? No, the promise had to go through Sarah as well. She would be the one where the seed would go through. But when God said, take your son... He emphatically said, take your son, your only son. Don't even bother with Ishmael. And then go and sacrifice him. So here Abraham, having received all these promises, God now is challenging him, saying, take your son. The one the seed was going to come through, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, you know, it says here that even if he was going to raise him from the dead, but Abraham was going to go through with this test. You know how I know also in the Old Testament that Abraham would believe that God was going to raise him from the dead if he, if he needed to? Because when Abraham got the wood, put it on his son's back and said, we're going up to Marah, where this is where we're going to do the sacrifice. He tells his servants, I want you to stay right here and wait for me because I and the lad will be back. He knew he's coming back with him, but yet he was going up to sacrifice him. That's faith. Now, you know the story, if you read through that account, where Abraham brings that knife up to take it through uh, Ishmael's, or Isaac's heart, and then God stays his hand and says, now I see. And again, he obeyed. Like Abraham, I mean, Abraham, he obeyed. Abraham obeyed God. And they came back and worshipped God, built an altar and worshipped God. God. What's the point for you and I? God might call us to do something totally contrary, just as a test. In your mind thinking, okay, God, you have called me to do this. And now you're laying this on my head, you know. And if I do that, you know, he sometimes calls us to do things that might be very difficult to step out and do. Very difficult. But biblical faith says even when it's hard, you walk through it. Even when it's hot, you walk through it. If, you know, God has put that, that hope and that trust in your heart to walk through this thing. Even if it see it, even if it goes against everything, it's in your gut. Biblical faith says, "Walk through it and do it." 
he says, verse um, 20, by faith Isaac, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. I'm going to read to, in verse 21 as well. Uh, concerning the things to come, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both his sons, or both the sons of Joseph, worship leaning up upon the top of his staff. And again, going back to Genesis chapter 47 and also around uh, 48, we have this account where by faith um, Isaac blesses Jacob and Esau. He blesses them. Now here's the thing. If you go back and you read that whole account, many of you already know the story. That is one dysfunctional home. You think about it. You got mom who's lying. You got the son who's a conniver and a schemer. You got another son who's a woodsy kind of hick guy who comes down. He smells like an animal half the time. And you got, you know, and God's telling him you got to bless these two. And so they lie about the birthright. And yet it says by faith he did this. Even know that is even knowing what's going on. He still, you know what? It does take faith, you know, to, to, to bless your home. E- even when you know it, there's some dysfunctionalism going on, if that's a word. By faith, it tells us that Isaac blessed his sons. Now, what does that mean? It's a patriotic blessing. It's, it's Old, Old Testament blessing, the way the father would bless his sons. And it's really something that when you study it, you see a few things. You see a tenderness. You see prophecy. Um, you see mistakes, you see all kinds of things when a father says, you know, it's for me by faith, I am going to step out and I'm going to bless my sons. There's three things a patriotic um, blessing shows. Number one, there's always a tender touch to it. Whenever you see um, a, a patriarch or, or you see a father ready to pass off the blessing, there's always a tender touch. We even see that with Jacob blessing Joseph's two young young boys. He reaches out and he lays his hands. There's a tenderness. I I saw that a lot when I was in India, uh, and I saw that once in a place called um, Baharan, where I saw the fathers blessing their sons and the tenderness. It was just it was it was it was quite amazing, and um, and and, and, there was, and there's something about the laying on of, of father's hands on their sons to recognize that you are my sons. And then the next boy, this is how God is going to bless you. And I think, you know, that that's something dads don't do often enough. You know, and that is tender touch, a touch. They did this um, this research, and I'm trying to remember the college that did it, where they took... Um, it was a case study where they took all these different cases and they looked at the families where the, the father was very tender, where there was hugging going on and touching going on to a, 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 the other studies where the father was very um, stern and not hugging and not touching. And, and then they would follow these, the kids 10, 15 years later, and then they would do another study on them. They found out that the women, the girls who, who received a tender touch from their father became very successful and very loving to their husbands and very loving to their children. On the other hand, the father that was very austere and never showed any emotion to it, they, most of them, I think it was 87% of them, or the boys ended up in legal issues and the girls were in and out of different marriages. It was, it, of course, it was a four or five page journal I was reading out of and I thought, that, that's it, a, a dad it knows how to just tenderly touch their children and to hug them and it met even... My, my boys still walk into the house and they'll kiss me on the forehead, you know, it's, I, and I just love that. But that's something we have, we've always been tender in our home, very t- kind of huggy. And I, I just, I don't know, I see that. Another thing with the patriarchic blessing was there's always meaningful words. And so when you see like Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob with the Manasseh and Ephraim, there's these words of just tenderness uh, talking to them about this is who you are and this is what you're going to be. And the third is a future 
um, future destination, what you're going to be when you when you come into the land and such. And I don't know. I just think sometimes dads. In fact, I got a little note here. It says, if you think um, your child would amount to nothing, most likely he will. And you know, you you look you. And I've seen it where dads are just so, so mean and, and so negative and you're, you know, you, you, you're going to amount to nothing. You're good for nothing. And, um, and it's only by the grace of God if those boys ever grow up to be anything when you, when you hear that constantly over and over and over, you know. And I remember going through school um, because of uh, some of the thing, problems I had. I, there was no teacher, and I don't remember one, the, my whole experience with any kind of school, where a teacher would say, you know, Harry, you're going to grow up and you're going to be... I had one guy say, Harry, you're going to grow up and be just where your brother is, and that was prison, you know. And I, I never got any kind of a positive thing like, okay, Harry, you're going to grow up and you're going to be a pastor of a church one day. And in fact, I think some of you know the story. I was in an elevator one time, and I was going up to visit someone in the hospital, and I had this little clergy sticky thing on so I could get in. And it just says clergy. That's all it says on there. And uh, and a door opens up on one of the floors, and I see the principal of my high school walk in, you know, and I'm, I'm going, oh, Lord, I don't want to engage, you know. And I, so I got my head down like this, and I'm kind of scratching my forehead, and I hear, you're kidding. You know. So he never would have thought that I'd be there with a pastor, as a pastor. But anyway, I guess maybe I'm going off rambling on this. Just, just remember, you know, if you think your kid is never going to amount to anything, then they won't. But if you encourage them and tell them, man, the way you save money... You're going to be a banker one day, you know, or the way you like to see if everybody's okay. You're going to be a nurse one day, you know, and uh, some of us never really got that kind of encouragement, but they did that. And so it goes on and it says, uh, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship leaning upon the top of his pole. You know, here, here, Jacob is getting ready to pass off the scene Joseph now brings his two boys in, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob's going to pass the blessing. And we see that when you read this in Genesis, somewhere chapter 48, I think. But you see this where he's reaching over and he puts his right hand upon the head of Ephraim. And when Jacob see, or Joseph sees us, he goes, no, dad, you know, because at that time he was, his eyes were dim. He was, couldn't see there. He tries to move his hand off his off the youngest son's head and and again Jacob says no I know what I'm doing he can't see it but he knows what he's doing and he knows that God has a calling on Ephraim's life to be the one to receive the inheritance and not Manasseh and here Joseph is trying to switch their hands and he said get off me I know what I'm doing you know again um, Jacob knowing exactly the promises of God and where they should land it says in verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the de departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his family. Here's a guy again. He does not, he's an heir of the promise. He knows he's in the direct descendants of Abraham. He knows, but he's not ever going to see it. He's going to die in Egypt. And he goes, listen, I know that God has something great for you guys. You're going to go into the promised land. I'm going to die off in here. So take my old bones and carry them with you. And when you get into the promised land, there's a guy knowing he's not even going to see it. And yet he has the faith to believe that the children of Israel one day possess this promised land. He says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. His parents, Jochebed and Amran, hid Joseph or Moses because why? He was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's command. And that, that had to have taken great faith. The king had given the command, let's destroy all these babies. And mom and dad, now I know the word proper there could also be translated good looking, very handsome looking. It also could be translated that he was special in their eyes. Well, what child isn't? You know, did you ever see a parent? I mean, the kid's kind of a little deformed from birth, you know. With a, look how beautiful. And you're going, wow. 
You got to be careful with those kinds of things. You don't want to go long time in there, huh? You know, uh, but uh, but to the mom, beautiful, right? right? I did. I made that mistake one time. Oh, I'm so stupid. They're, they're, you know, they, they came home with their baby, and I don't know. This kid just had a big head. I don't know what it was abnormal for some reason, and I'm sure he grew into it. But I said this: Look at the head on it, and right away, mom. What's wrong with his head? So I mean, look how handsome he is, you know. Anyway, he was yeah, I'm stupid. But anyway, so they there was something special in Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid. By faith, Jacobin would go down to the river. By faith. And sometimes I look at something like this, guys, and you know what? Even in the face of what the world is trying to tell us about our children, how we should raise them and how they should have their... You know, right, someone was just telling me that the, the educational system today, at such a young, young age, they're trying to tell them not to worry about their sexual orientation, that they should be whoever they want. And they're just open this Pandora's box of sexuality. And you're just thinking, in the... In, in, in the face of what the world is teaching these kids, in faith, we should say, no, this is the way, this is what God's word says. This is the way you're going to uh, worship your creator. Even in, and sometimes it just takes faith. It really does for a parent to be called into the office because, and I've seen this and I've seen this even in our, you know, kids are coming here now um, where they wanted to write something about Jesus and the school absolutely refused. And when they did, they got suspended and the parents had to go in faith to support their kid for what they wrote in high school. And I've seen that more than once. By faith. Look, even in the light of suffering, choosing rather to suffer. No, when Moses, verse 24, when he came to... to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I'd rather, you know, by faith, there are times where we have to, what it, says, what it just says there, to, uh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with God's people than to buy into the world's gimmicks. I'm going dis- to, I know I'm going to destroy this. And, you know, sometimes we go through a season where it's, it's just dry. You just, you know, it's, you, you, you feel like you're being afflicted. You're going through so many different things and you're just thinking, when am I ever going to come out? You feel, almost feel like you're not even growing. You're, you're stagnant and you're just, and it's taking all the faith that you can muster up just to hang in there. Well, Jerry's just showed Juan and I this article and, and I know I'm going to butcher this thing up, but I still feel led to share it with you. It's a certain bamboo that grows in China. And... Um, and while this thing is below the soil, it has to be well watered a certain amount. It can't be overwatered, can't be underwatered. There's got to be certain things that's got to be in the soil. And the thing about this bamboo, it doesn't show growth. It doesn't show anything for five years or six years. I think the article said six years. You're taking care of something. You're trying to make sure that soil is right. You're feeding it. You're watering it. Doing, and you see nothing for six years. Then all of a sudden, at the sixth year, a little sprout comes up. And within five months, six months, six weeks, from six weeks, six weeks, after that thing sprouts up, six weeks, it grows 90 feet. 90 feet. You could watch this thing just grow. But it's a picture of faith. Rather than just buy into the world and buy in knowing that you might be suffering with affliction, but you know that it might be a long duration. But you know what? That is going to sprout one day and you are going to grow at such a rapid rate and God is going to use you mightily. Now, I didn't butcher it all that bad, but you should just check it out one day. It's just a great example of what faith looks like at at times. He says, by faith, he forsook not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, he, he, Moses knew that God had called him, that God was enlightening him about he was Jewish. He wasn't really Egypt. And God started to work in his life through faith. He kept 
the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, uh, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, notice this, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, uh, as saying to do, were drowned by faith. You know, let's talk about that for a second. What kind of faith would that really take? Now, it says that when they came to, to the Red Sea, they were trapped. They had the Egyptians behind them. The Red Sea was before them. They were all freaking out. No, no demonstration, no display of faith. Or, yeah, Moses, you called us out here to die. Moses stands up with the rod. Behold, the salvation of the Lord. Then there's two walls of water on each side, enough for three million people to go through. And the land is drowned, uh, dry. Now, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's not a strange day, but it's dry. You've seen so many things already by the hand of God. You've you got these, well, what kind of faith does that really take? I mean, it must take some kind of faith, right? To step in there and to walk through. To me, it would take more courage. I don't know if that's faith. Um, but still, it does still take faith even to do the things you know that you know you'll be able to get through it still takes faith if you know god wants you to cross to the other side even if you see that it's on dry ground because next he's going to talk about the walls of jericho and god's going to say by faith you're going to do something where it isn't like dry ground you're going to do something that's totally insane but it still takes faith even when you know something is going to really pan out for you you know you're going to get to the other side you see the hand of god it still takes faith to step in and get to the other side. Do you want to know how many times I mean, I've seen this over the years? I mean, they step in, they see the walls, they get halfway through, and for some ungodly reason, they stop right there. They just stop. And there's no going to the other side. It takes faith to go all the way through, even if it's an, an easy journey. But look at the next one. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. You know the story. This is their first battle, right? They're on the other side of the Jordan. God gives them word. You're going to go over across the Jordan River. The priests are going to go in first. As soon as the priest, their foot hits this, the river, it's going to dry up. You're going to go in and your first experience is you're going to have a war. You're going to have a battle. Okay, can you imagine this? You go into the, you go into the, war, the war room. All right, what's the strategy, God? Okay, this is what I want you to do. You see that city? And listen, the walls of Jericho, you could take two chariots side by side. I mean, this, these walls were huge, big, fortified city. You're not just going to take one brick at a time down, you know, to get through. And so here's the, here's the strategy. He goes, Joshua, this is what we're going to do, buddy. I want you to take the Israelites and very quietly, I want you to march around it six times. Once a day, for six days, once a day, go around it, come back. Then on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. And then I want you to break some pictures and I want you to start screaming. And I'm going to give you the city. Now, how many of you guys would buy into that? Think about it. I, I, the wall's dry. I can, I, I can see how this would work. But to do this insane thing that we're going to walk, march around this wall... Once a day for six days and on the seventh day you want us to do it and you're going to give us the city. Did it happen? You know, sometimes God will ask us to do the strangest things. And if you want to see the walls come down, that's how you have to do it. By faith, they began to walk. You know how many people I know, they come up to their walls, their walls of Jericho. And instead of just being obedient and doing exactly what God has asked them to do, they try to take one brick down at a time. And you know how long, the, you know the discouragement of you trying to take care of your life one brick at a time, trying to lead somebody to the Lord to see if they'll get it one brick at a time. No, no, no. I think the principle is here. It's just step out in obedience. Even if, the, if God's telling you to love the most unlovable person in your life, love them. If God's asking you to do something that just seems totally insane to do, but people are going to get saved, then do it. That's biblical faith. I love this, sorry. By faith, um, the harlot Rahab perished not with them uh, that believed not when she, was, uh, when she received the spies with peace. Remember when they, uh, 
Joshua sent the spies in, right? And when they get there, there was a harlot that lived on the top of the wall. She hid them. Now it says, listen, by faith she did that. But when you go back and you read this account, it wasn't really faith. Because what she, why she hid them is because she heard the reports of the Israelites and how they were conquering all these giants in a foreign land. And she's thinking, I don't want that to be me. So she hid them. Is that an act of faith sometimes? It's a good question. Let's keep going down. What shall I say that, uh, so what shall I, I more say for the time would fail me to tell? And you're probably thinking that now, Harry, how much more can you do? Um, you got Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, and it's 20 after. Do I dare? Yep, I'm not. We're going to stop right there. And next week, we'll look at Gideon, and we'll look at Barak, and we'll look at Samson. The author doesn't give us any commentary here, but if you just look at just Gideon, what you'll notice that Gideon wasn't all that. Moses, he really wasn't all that. All these men that's in this hall of faith, and even Sarah, our sister Sarah, they really weren't all that. They had, there was plenty of flaws. Abraham. You know what he said to the Egyptians when they wanted to take Sarah? She's my sister. Hey, wife, would you, what would you think of your husband, right? <laughs> oh, you have to sleep with one eye open. So they're, they're not perfect people. But yet they're in the hall of faith. Josh, you make your way out. And yet they're Gideon. You know what Gideon was called by God? Mighty man of valor. Well, that's a great title, isn't it? Gideon, mighty man of valor. You know where God found him? Threshing wheat. Went where? In a cave. Do you thresh wheat in a cave? No. Why was he in a cave? He was afraid. His heart was gripped with fear. And yet God still called him a mighty man of valor. It's going to be a great study next week. Amen, guys? So we'll start with this. Hello, Josh. Oh, he's in the youth group? He's fired. All right. Let's just stand. We'll pray together. That's right. And Rich isn't here. He's on a vacation. Do I dare? (laughs) By faith. (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't dare. Lord, but you did say make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And that wouldn't be joyful, Lord. But thank you so much, God, for just the time we had in your word. And truly, Father, just what you look for is biblical and genuine faith. And I, Father, we started this journey walking in you with faith or in faith. And we want to continue to walk in faith, Lord. Even when it's things like the Red Sea, when we know you got this and we can cross over on dry ground, help us to finish it, Lord. Or even when you tell us to do some crazy and insane things like marching around a wall and watch how how the walls will come down. Father, just continue to help us understand it and continue to help us grow in faith. We love you so, so much, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen, amen. God bless you guys.